0: Welcome to the Encore Podcast. I'm Chris McCoy, along with my producer, Gabby. Hey, everybody. uh, Hey, Gab. (laughs) Today, we're going to delve into uh, a couple of topics that have everything to do with summertime baseball, or maybe the lack of baseball this year, and daylight savings time. Now, that's, I I could hear the blood pressure going up around the country when you say daylight savings time. Because it seems like you either love it or you hate it. There aren't too many people that go, oh, it's okay. Everybody has a feeling about DST, and it usually involves around the times of the change, which, you know, obviously happens twice a year. But we'll get into that. And also, I'm going to be talking with someone that I absolutely loved working with. She... is such a good time. She really is. Candy Roth. I work with Candy up in New Brunswick at WMGQ on the morning show. We're going to have a little discussion about, well, we're not going to talk about daylight savings time or baseball. Let's put it that way. Okay. (laughs) But first, Gab, I know that what a big baseball fan you are, particularly uh, the Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies. And considering you've been living in New York City now for how many years?
1: Uh, It'll be five this May, which is an absolutely crazy thing to say. And I do love the Phillies so much. It's Mets and Yankees fans love to let me know exactly what they're thinking when I'm wearing a Phillies hat or a Phillies sweatshirt, if I'm out on a walk or a run or going to watch the game, either in person or at a bar, we all have crosses to bear, I would say.
0: (laughs) You know, can't we all just get along? Why do fans of different ball teams have to sort of dislike each other? You grew up a Phillies fan. I grew up a Phillies fan. And the reason we did that was because of our, usually it's because of our dad, because of your dad, my brother, I'm sure it was my brother, John, right? That introduced you to baseball and to the Phillies.
1: He was one of them, but my mom's parents also had Philly season tickets since the 1970s. And my parents have had them for as long as I've been alive, at least probably longer. So I was really lucky that I had two parents that were really into baseball that introduced me to it, which is why it's been so upsetting to see the lockout going on this year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And it was because of my dad. I grew up a Phillies fan and, you know, I run into people from different parts of the country. For example, when I was in California, you know, there were, I met people out there that you would think maybe they would be San Francisco Giants fans. Cause I, I worked in Sacramento, uh, but no, they were either fans of the Dodgers or the Cleveland Indians. And I would always say, how did someone who grew up in the Bay area get to be a Cleveland Indians fan? And the answer is always the same. It's because my dad or my mom or my parents were fans. That's just the way it works. It's like one of those things that's handed down, right?
1: Yeah, and to reference back to our first episode, I'm pretty sure Lucas was saying that the reason that he was a fan of either the Vikings or the Braves was because that was his dad's teams.
0: Anyway, I'm reading in the paper today. Which I have the sports page, actually, of the Philadelphia Inquirer here, and on page D5, it says, MLB, comma, players meet, semicolon. Talks are deadlocked. Why, guys? I mean, wh- why is this so difficult? Just to catch
1: up people who are maybe not following the lockout as closely as we are as baseball fans. Right now, the owners and the players union can't decide on a common agreement for the year to move forward. And this is dating all the way back to December of 2021. So this has been going on for a while now. And things were pretty much just dead between December 1st and February 1st. Both teams made statements in early December saying that this lockout was going to happen. Although I should say that Because it is a lockout, it means it is being done by the owners and not a strike, which would have been done by the players. And February 1st was the first time that in this calendar year that anyone was making a step forward in these talks when the players union made an offer to meet with the MLB and maybe change some of the conditions and terms that had caused the lockout to begin back in December.
0: Well, from what I understand, one side is concerned about money. And the other side is concerned about money. I'd be willing to, you know, I, I'm used to paying $12 for a beer at the ballpark. I'll pay twelve fifty, thirteen dollars $13. I'll pitch in. Can we get this thing settled? I don't want to go through the month of April without baseball. You know, it's one of the really nice things about spring is that baseball starts up again. You know, sometimes during the, the height of the summer, during the dog days, especially if your team is not doing well and, you know, they're out of it and they don't have a uh, a prayer you kind of eh, maybe i'll catch every other game or maybe a game a week i'll watch it on sunday afternoon if there's nothing else to do but man in april everybody has a chance to be not just a pennant winner but a world series winner and it's just a really exciting time for baseball and i just hope we don't get robbed of that this year
1: i know it's not looking great we're taping this on march 7th and the t- the Uh, Players Association and the league met yesterday, March 6th, with no forward movement and a potential to meet again later this week. But things are definitely not looking good right now. And it really sucks because I know for me that I had baseball games on all the time, even when the exhibition game started at spring training. For me, it was kind of the signifier, aside from Daylight Savings Time, that spring was coming and summer was coming. And I mean, who doesn't love to get last minute tickets to a baseball game and just go and watch you know, your team play on really any given night. It, The consistency of it is something that I've always loved. And I think we're really lucky right now because the Sixers are so fun to watch that that is kind of filling the hole, but it's not, not quite the same.
0: No, I agree because well, basketball, I never thought of basketball as a summertime sport as a summertime pastime, you know, Very true. Uh, baseball just is. And I really hope there can be a meeting of the minds, I don't want to see the players drop what it is they're trying to get. I understand, sort of semi-understand what they're trying to do for the young players. And I think the owners can afford it. Let's play ball. I okay. agree. You know, last thing, I guess, on this topic, at least for me, is I feel for those people who uh, were planning their spring vacations to Florida or Arizona or wherever people go for a spring training game, you know, to get out of winter. Those plans are up in smoke. Do you ever go to a spring training game in Florida?
1: I did. My Like I said before, my parents were, are huge Phillies fans. My whole family are huge Phillies fans. And they took us to spring training a couple of times when we were younger, which was so cool because I got to meet players like Cole Hamels and Ryan Howard, who would sign balls and caps for us when the games were over or before the game started. And it was one of my favorite things to do as a kid. And we went a couple of times, but I'll never forget this one time that we were down there and it was like the first night and we went to this restaurant that they have down there that are a chain whose name that I'm forgetting right now.
0: Frenchies? Are you talking about Frenchies?
1: Yes. Wow. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Frenchies. And we went out for dinner and I remember we were leaving and we had a game set up for the next two days for us to go to. And I looked at my parents. I must've been, I don't know, 10 or 11. And I looked at my parents and I said, oh, I don't feel well. And they were like, Oh, it's probably just the flight. You probably just need a good night's sleep. And we went back to the house, and I ended up getting some sort of flu that lasted the entire time we were down there. And I was like, I was not well. Like, I must have looked like a 10-year-old zombie like running around, which was such a shame because we had a pool in the backyard and it was 80 degrees and it was so cold up here. And I was so excited to get down there. But I remember my parents did their best to try to get me to the game. Like they gave me some medicine one stayed behind with me to make sure I was feeling okay. And then we went late, but they had this beautiful grassy area that you can sit in. That's not at any of the major league baseball stadiums that I've seen. I've only seen it at spring training, but it's like kind of a general admission thing where you can go out there and just sit. And I, I was freezing. I, my teeth were chattering and it was 80 degrees. And my parents were like, we should take her into the sun. So I remember we went out and sat in the grass And I kind of laid down on my mom's lap and the sun just felt so nice that I ended up falling asleep for about an inning. And when I woke back up, I did feel a little bit better, which was good because that was the game when the players were down there and we were little kids, me and my sister were little kids. So they were way more likely to come over and and sign stuff for us because we were there. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. So it was
1: really great that I still got to do that. But I look back at that now in a time after living through COVID and think like, Oh God, that is not something I could have ever gone away with doing in, in modern time but it was said we went back again the next year and I think all four of us kind of held our breath a little bit when I got down there and I was like no I feel okay like it's fine I ended up being fine for the rest of the trip but I'll never forget that did you ever have a chance to go to the spring training games
0: we have friends in just north of Tampa so we were down there visiting it just so happens we were down there at I think the very end of February one year and they live right there I think it's uh Uh, highway 19. It goes right by the spring training complex and, uh, there in Clearwater. So we were right down the street practically. So let's walk down to the ballpark. And I think it was just pitchers and catchers at the time that were there. The whole, not all of the players were there. And they were using the, they had these backfields, but we were able to go into the stadium and just uh, keep in mind, like you, like you said, it was winter time up here and you walk through the stadium and the grass is green and, You know, they had just hosed down the infield and that smell that comes up is just so, so summer, you know, Mm -hmm. it just smelled so good. I saw Dallas Green walk across the field looking as grumpy as ever. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was kind of the highlight. We didn't get to see, uh, you know, any games or even really any workouts, but just being there for about an hour was pretty cool. So it just felt like we were there for spring training. But that's as close as I got. That was my brush with greatness as far as spring training goes. (laughs) So I'll tell you what, let's take a break here and we'll come back and we'll talk about losing an hour of sleep for a good cause. Or is it on the Encore? Okay, we're back here on the Encore podcast. I'm Chris McCoy, along with producer Gabby. This weekend, they always say, before you go to bed, turn your clocks ahead one hour because daylight savings time begins. And you're going to hear that a lot, you know, working on the radio for 40 plus years, the week leading up to daylight savings time, don't forget to tell them to turn their clocks ahead. And I always thought, well, wait a second. It's not like they're 10 years old. These people have been doing this for years. They know all they need is one reminder. And then it happened to me that somehow I didn't get reminded. I don't know what the deal was, but I forgot to turn my clock ahead an hour one year. And then I realized, okay, that's why they were always on us to make sure that we got the word out. Oh no. Yeah. There are, I think it's Arizona is one of the States. I think it may be, maybe one or two more here in the United States that does not uh, go with daylight savings time. Oh, Yeah. And I remember back when I was 18 flying with a friend to Tucson to visit his parents. And it just so happens that we got there like this week, the week before the time change, the clock change. And then we were scheduled to leave the next day after we got our plane tickets there to Arizona. And then we got our plane tickets for the ride back. The problem was whoever back, back then you used to use a uh, travel agent. The travel agent didn't factor in the fact that it was daylight savings time and Arizona doesn't follow the rest of the country. So that caused a real mess. As I recall, we missed our flight. Oh, no. (laughs) But we were obviously we were able to get back. But that's just like one of the little things and people need to know. Yeah. This Saturday, before you go to bed, turn your clock ahead one hour. And I think you can thank Ben Franklin for this whole thing. I'm not sure what his motivation was. Do you?
1: I think I've read once that it had something to do with the farming system here in America, although we're not the only ones that do daylight savings time. So I guess that was more of a universal thought to help the farmers out having longer hours when things were in season and then shorter hours when I guess you just needed to upkeep the grounds rather than harvest whatever it was that you were growing.
0: Yeah, back in the days when we were an agrarian society, they needed that extra daylight to bring the crops in or to plant the crops or to do something to the crops, I guess. <laughs> but thank you, Ben Franklin. I mean, he just wasn't a kite flyer during a thunderstorm. He also, you know, was thinking about the farmers. What a guy.
1: I, yeah. I've never heard Ben Franklin described as a kite flyer during thunderstorms, but I guess that is an <laughs> accurate representation of who Ben Franklin was.
0: Pretty sure that's the true story, but uh, don't hold me to it. <laughs> you know, I also read Gab that a poll claims that 40% of Americans want year-round standard time. In other words, they, you know, they don't want to be going back, back and forth between daylight savings time and standard time. They've had it up to here.
1: I agree. I am one of those 40%. I wish <laughs> that we could just jump ahead and then never change the clocks again. I have been told that this would greatly improve some areas' daylight, such as where I live here in New York City. We would have a little bit of longer days during the winter if we never switched back. But in other parts of the country where they sit closer to the time zones, It would affect them more and cause their days to be shorter than they are even now. So while I am pro, let's stop daylight savings time, I do understand the argument from some people as to why it is that it needs to stay.
0: Typical coastal elite. That's what you are.
1: I am. I'm (laughs) a coastal elite.
0: (laughs) I also see that about a third would like for daylight savings time to be all year. In other words, don't fall back. And about a quarter of us say we like switching back and forth during the years So just kind of keep things the way they are. I guess that's okay too. You know, you lose, we're all going to lose an hour of sleep this weekend. Then we'll gain it back sometime in the fall, managed to live a pretty good long life so far. And I'm still, thank goodness, knock on wood, healthy, <laughs> switching back and forth. By the way, in last year's legislative session in a lot of states around the country, six states enacted measures to make daylight savings time a year round thing and all told, 19 states have enacted legislation to provide for year round DST, which uh, I guess would require a change to federal law. That's great. Consi- Considering Congress can't get anything done. Uh, I doubt that that would be high on their priorities list.
1: Can we move it up a little bit, though? That's awesome that they've put forward legislation. If it will help their particular areas or time zones, I think that people should totally do it.
0: Amen. I'm all for that. Let's break it down. The pros and cons of daylight savings. As I see it, the pros are more daylight for most of us. Agreed. The cons are more daylight for most of us.
1: (laughs) I know a point that I know we were chatting about before we started recording was you saying when you had two little girls, it was difficult when it was light out for so long trying to put them to bed.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, when the little kids don't, you know, they get used to, they don't want to go to bed when it's light outside. And then, you know, I remember when I was a kid, we went out to play, which is something, I don't know if kids still do that these days, actually leave the house after dinner and after they get their homework done. They leave the house and they go find their friends and they play in the neighborhood. We did that. And, you know, we were always told, make sure you're home when the streetlights come on. It was a really good thing at daylight savings time because the streetlights didn't come on for at least another hour. So you got all this extra play time in. Sometimes you could be out till like 930 at night.
1: I'm an outdoor runner, which is something I think I've mentioned before. So for me, it's really a benefit because... If I need to change my running schedule for whatever reason, I can go in the morning and it won't be dark. I could go after work and it won't necessarily be dark once we switch them to the daylight savings time. Honestly, it's great. I mean, especially if I have to run after work, getting out of the office after a really long day and just getting some sunlight and some warmth is, is the best part about it, I think.
0: I'm definitely pro daylight savings time. I, I would like things to stay the way they are. I'm not sure that I would like it all year round and I and I don't even know why. I feel weird about that. Maybe I just don't like change. I don't know. But I do like the fact that we get more daylight during the summertime. I mean, you know, a lot of people are, and I think I'm one of them, you know, I'm affected by dark. If we get like three or four cloudy, rainy days in a row, you know, I'm down in the dumps. I like the extra daylight. I
1: agree. The only thing I can think of is that we've been dealing with this change so regularly. I think people begin to associate the clocks going back with maybe like fall and Thanksgiving and the holidays. But by the time that we get to, I don't know, the middle of January, all the way through till March 1st, it's really like a slog to try to remind yourself. And that's when it's getting progressively lighter too, because we, in December is when we would have hit the shortest day of the year, but it's harder to remind yourself, you know, we're almost out of this. Like, we're almost out of the cold. It's just a couple more weeks. It does feel a lot longer. But I could definitely see why people would associate moving the clocks back with a, the celebratory time of year with all the holidays right in row.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, it used to be shorter. It used to end in October, mm-hmm. begin in April. Now it begins in March and ends in November. So for some reason, somewhere along the way, someone said, you know what? I think it needs to be a month longer um, <laughs> on either end. So (laughs) I'm not sure why that happened, but the other thing I wanted to mention, and and this is true now, these days, it's not like running around the the house, you know, changing all the clocks because there are some clocks that need to be changed, but on your devices, they automatically will change for you. The only thing is, is that twice a year, I have to try and remember, think, 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 Chris, how do you change the clock on the dashboard on the (laughs) phone? I have to get out the, the manual twice a year because I, I only do it twice. So I never remember how to do it. Why can't they make those things easier? I don't know.
1: Agreed. Okay. And as someone that rents an apartment each time, I need to figure out how it is that my oven's time changes because they're all different ovens. So I've never had a consistent oven. One thing I did want to ask you was, I feel like the hardest part about daylight savings time and, and switching, falling back and springing forward is the actual change itself, the, the night into the day of seems pretty brutal. And it, it seems like a lot of people have a lot of problems the next day, kind of adjusting to that new time zone. I mean, I know I do. Sometimes I'll wake up on that Monday and be like, feel like I didn't sleep at all if we're springing ahead because my body has momentarily no idea, you know, what time it is and what's going on. You used to have to be at the studio when you were doing the morning shows at what five a.m. That must have been really weird for you.
0: Yeah, well, we used to start at five a.m. on the air, so I would I would get there quarter to four in the morning. Yeah, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It was. It, it took about a week until you until we all adjusted to the new time. For sure, it was. <laughs> and you know, the other thing I've I've always read, and I guess it's true that the uh, traffic accidents go up the Monday after the time change, particularly in the morning. So I guess, I guess you're right. You know, people still, you know, still not accustomed and still not having enough sleep.
1: Yeah. I read that same thing that you did. And another thing that I read is older people tend to have health emergencies a few days after daylight savings time occurs. So The risk for having a stroke or a heart attack goes up, which just really begs the question, if we're not necessarily based in running our economy on farming, why it is that we still have these practices going on, which is why I thought it was interesting that you brought up a bunch of the state legislators are beginning to create documentation to have those conversations to see if we can maybe prevent those things from happening or make things better for the people who have to go through daylight savings time if it's something that is decided needs to happen.
0: Yeah. 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 And you know, while they're at it, maybe they should make election day a national holiday. I agree. I, I, just a crazy suggestion.
1: Make election uh, day a national holiday. Do it. Yes.
0: Do yeah. it. Amen. Do it. But don't close the bar.
1: Make it a national holiday.
0: <laughs> All right. So what are we going to do on Saturday night before we go to bed? <laughs> we're going to move our clocks ahead one, one hour.
1: <laughs> I like you were just asking me what my plans were. Okay. <laughs> we're going to move our clocks ahead. That's what we're going to do. <laughs>
0: So you guys know how we feel about Daylight Savings Time now. I think we were pretty clear about that. How do you feel about Daylight Savings Time? What do you yeah, think? Let us should, know. Should, should we ask them on social media?
1: I, yeah, definitely. I can post a poll on all of our social media channels when this episode comes out. Let us know. Do you like Daylight Savings Time? Do you not like Daylight Savings Time? We want to hear from you.
0: Or do you have any horror stories like being stranded in Tucson, Arizona? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: If you have any horror stories, we'll share them on the pod next week.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, let's take one more break. And then when we come back, I'm going to be talking to a woman that I absolutely loved working with for those nine years, worked mornings in New Brunswick at WMGQ. Candy Roth will join us next on the Encore podcast. So I am very happy. I'm kind of over the moon happy. That she agreed to do this with me today. You know, I love this woman. I really do. And here's a woman that I met late in my career. And I always wondered, why did it take so long for me to run into Candy Roth professionally? Hello there, Candy.
2: Hi, honey. I know if it only had been a few years earlier. Or knows what could have been, but we had, we had a great time.
0: Yes, we did. This woman is, uh, she just amazes me because the first time I worked with her, let me set it up. When I went up to uh, WMGQ in New Brunswick back in 2007 to do the morning show, I was doing it alone in a studio about the size of a small coat closet, yeah. <laughs> basically. Very
2: small.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I had done morning shows prior to that, but never by myself. So this was kind of an interesting set of circumstances for me. And I did have someone doing traffic and news for me, but they were 30 miles away. And where, exactly where was that located, Candy?
2: We were in Rutherford.
0: Rutherford. Jersey,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So if you go a little farther up the New Jersey turnpike from New Brunswick, you'd run into. About Candy...
2: 45 minutes from where you were.
0: Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. and, you, and you could see New York City from out your window.
2: Absolutely. New York is about 14 minutes from there.
0: Yeah. So the first time Candy came on, there was somebody else doing traffic for me for a while, maybe a couple of months. I can't remember exactly. But then all of a sudden this person was gone and someone named Candy Roth came on. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm never, ever going to be able to do it with this woman. She's just too (laughs) brash. Two way out there. She says what's on her mind. She's funny. And then I thought, that's exactly what you need, Chris.
2: (laughs) We had to get adjusted to one another because, yeah, I'm a little brash (laughs) and I do speak my mind. I am what you see is what you get. So, yeah, but we adjusted very quickly and then became, you know, a connection for life as far as I'm concerned.
0: Me too. I'd never worked with anyone like you before. (laughs) Candy is, for those of you who don't know Candy, she is someone who could on her very own do a very successful radio show a very successful podcast you name oh, it you're this very of, kind you no know, i'm serious i you know i'm not blowing smoke here i you know i think the world of you and one of the reasons why i regret not having met you so late in my career is we could have both been multimillionaires by now had I met
2: we don't want to talk about that though we want to keep things on the up and up
0: <laughs> so candy did the traffic for me and not only did she through the traffic for me, but she also sort of became a major part of the show in little bits and pieces, like maybe what was it, three or four times an hour?
2: Yeah. I think your oldest daughter was going into Rutgers, just beginning to start her college career. Yes. Uh, So yeah, we go back that long and now you're a grandpa. So time has definitely passed.
0: Indeed it has. And I remember your two boys, I think were in high school and middle school.
2: Oh, definitely. Well, one is 31. He just <laughs> turned 31, Casey, and Evan is 27. Yeah. So we're we're together a while, you and I, even if we're not together,
0: <laughs> if you know what I mean. Getting back to uh, what we did on the air, Candy was, uh, talk about a multitasker. She was able to not only provide much needed information in the morning to me three or four times an hour, but she was also doing it to how many other radio stations? most four of them in ones. New York?
2: I do five.
0: You do five. Yeah. 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 So she had a schedule to keep, and we had a window each time during the hour that we would have to be together. And we had to, you know, it was up to me really. I had to work within that window so that yeah. Candy could. If go only on we could have and-
2: just had the two of us, we would have been a lot funnier. Just so everyone knows, more <laughs> interesting. But we were very good for the time. The short little spurts we got to have together.
0: Absolutely. There were, there were a couple of times when we started our segment together and we ran out of time and Candy just, I mean, when we would run out of time, Candy just had to go. She couldn't say, look, I got to run. I got to, we'll see you next time. See you in 15 minutes. She was just gone.
2: <laughs> I know it's rough. It's busy, but we had some great times and you're a great guy. And now Emily speaks for everything. And you went to California. And now you're back.
0: Yeah, I went to California because I couldn't get a job here on the East Coast—at least something full-time. So I decided, uh, let me expand my horizons. And I looked out there, and there's a guy by the name of uh, Brian Lopez out in Sacramento who hired me to do classic rock on KSEG, which was good for me because I loved classic rock. I grew up listening to that oh, music. Me too. Never played it on the air. Oh, all, all my years. So that was a real kick for me for four plus years to do. Nice. That. So what, did, what have you been doing since the last time we were on the air together, which was what, 2016?
2: 2016, what have I been doing? Well, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Nothing's changed there. Pandemic has changed things very much so because I've been working for home now. It's going to be two years on March 14th oh. uh, because of the pandemic. We have not gotten back to work yet. So that's changed a lot of things. Uh, my son was supposed to get married in June of 2020. did get married with eight of us in the backyard, but there was supposed to be a whole big wedding celebration, which we just had September 26th. So the pandemic and the wedding were equally as long. Let's put it that way. But finally that's done. And I'm just enjoying life. I'm very proud of my children. I feel they're doing great. And I feel I did a great job. And that's what I'm most proud of.
0: How is Evan, by the way? I remember what we used to do the, uh, the Rutgers dance marathons. We used to broadcast them and yes. he was going to school at the time there. Yes, he was. Yes, And he would come up to me and I think I interviewed him once or mm-hmm. twice. He was like this goofy young guy, really he's, good looking. Yes. Both of your sons, by the way, are, they could be models. Oh, thank uh, you. But, well, you know, he's
2: definitely come into his own
0: put yeah, it that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But
2: he was, he is unique and always has been unique.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> From and the now day he was here, but now he's doing very well. I'm very proud. And Casey, is a financial advisor.
0: Are you one of his clients now? Or I was yeah.
2: <laughs> at the beginning. Help him along and not right now. Should
0: be. We? <laughs> well we both just had recently had weddings yes. of our of our children, which is kind of nice. My daughter Becky just got married a couple Wonderful. of weeks ago. So you Seems sent me like-
2: the picture. She looked beautiful. You Roberta haven't aged. I haven't seen you what in eight years maybe?
0: Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, aged a bit. yeah. And you and I got to do some fun things out of the studio. We did. While we worked together. Like once a year, we were invited from the folks of the uh, Sandals Resorts to go down to one of their properties in the Caribbean and broadcast the morning show live like for two or three days. And I insisted that Candy come with me. because it was
2: I, such a gift because, yeah. you know, they're not asking their traffic reporters to come along. Normally,
0: you were always more than just a traffic reporter to me. You were a huge part of what made me so successful in the morning. We
2: there. had a blast, did we not? We yes, were we in St. Lucia, we were in Nassau, Bahamas, and Jamaica. And uh, well, St. Lucia is still my favorite.
0: One of the things that I, I remember so vividly was in St. Lucia, we, we took a day trip and we went to do the uh, the zip line. And
2: that's a story. <laughs> I'll jump in whenever you're ready.
1: <laughs> go
0: this ahead. This is one I for hear- a
2: party, let me tell you. <laughs> so it was me and the engineer Seymour and you and your lovely wife. We wanted to do a day trip. I wanted to go snorkeling where it's safe. You can stop anytime you want. I got peer pressured into, look, I'm not athletic, okay? I got peer pressured into <laughs> zip lining. I had no idea. So we're on the bus. So we go, It's a long way to get there. We get there and then had to be. I don't know. 5,000 steps going up all the way to the top. We walked all the way to the top, which was okay. I thought if I ever die up here, how will they find me? Fortunately, I didn't die, but I came close. (laughs) So the tour guy picked you as the first one to go down. And we're really high up. I mean, we are in the rainforest in St. Lucia and we are high up. So fortunately, you and Roberta took off, thank God, because then I went and I have little hands and I'm only about five feet tall and I'm a klutz and, you know, very lame. And the guy says, oh, just, you know, hold on. And you can adjust the speed with your hands. And I'm like, "Okay, I'm nervous. But hey, everybody else is doing it. So I do it and I hold on so tightly that it stops in the middle of the river. And I'm hanging and swinging like a lamb to slaughter in the middle of the river back and forth. I can't get back. I can't go forward. And I'm swinging. (laughs) And of course, everybody that's waiting to go is watching this. They had to reel me in like a big fish and (laughs) haul me up onto the next platform. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. So they're like, oh, you held on too tight. You want to try again? I said, all right, try again. Don't hold on so tightly. They get me, I go. They say, let go. I let go of my hands. I turn backwards. I feel like I'm going 150 miles an hour. I land on that platform like a bomb landed in war. (laughs) Um, And then a very nice guide. I remember his name. I think it was Michael. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll never forget him. He said, I'll take you the rest of the way. So there were 12 runs. So the first two, I almost died. And then he took me the rest of the way. But, you know, I'm kind of voluptuous and whatnot. And I had this big thing. On, and I said, I don't care what you do. Get me down this mountain. Every platform, another guy would be like, oh, I'll take over. And he's like, oh, no, I'm taking her. Yeah. And I'm like, you take me. We got to the bottom. I found him. I tipped him. I was grateful to be alive. That was zip lining. I, I'm glad I did it. I'm never doing it. <laughs> Have you done it again?
0: No, actually, I have not ziplined since that uh, that time in St. Lucia with you. Yeah. However, yeah, I'm glad I- you
2: missed that show. You two went off like the athletes you are. La, la, goodbye. <laughs> Zipline down. I'm I'm thinking, I'm going to die here. And how are they going to get my body down? That's what I'm thinking about. But it was
0: well, fun. I just thought, you know, hey, that would have made for a great uh, show the next morning. You know, uh, sure Candy would have been with us, but she unfortunately passed away while ziplining. <laughs> above the canopy of the rainforest here in St. So Lucia true. yesterday.
2: We <laughs> made it though thank God, but a great experience, beautiful. Once once I had the guy, the scenery and everything was gorgeous, but it was very scary for me.
0: And I remember was it I think it was somewhere in Jamaica, was it maybe it was Ocho Rios. We went and visited a school down there. Yeah.
2: Was that not an eye-opener?
0: Yes, it was. Well, you know, first of all, when we would have the opportunity to do these things, you would land at the airport, wherever it was, whatever island it was, and the airport was kind of nice, you know, and then you'd hop on this bus and you would go through abject poverty, seriously, with or goats like in the middle people. of the roadway, mm-hmm. you know, within a half hour, you would arrive at this absolutely amazing resort. Yeah, luxurious. the nice. Yeah like on a different planet yeah. and you kind of got a taste of that on your way to your, your vacation, so to speak. Right. But uh, when they asked us, would well, we'd like to go and visit these school children. We said, yeah, we've been so blessed to be able to do this.
2: So uh, true. And it was such a moving moment. I'll never forget it. I've always yeah. remembered that. And when I see kids in the schools today, and you know, right now, maybe the masks are finally going to come off and I think about their plight, but these kids had to wear uniforms they were very cute they were so well behaved that a glance from the head of the school would just silence them into quiet line up they sang they played instruments they were delightful mm-hmm. we stayed remember we stayed while they had lunch i think their lunch were turkey necks turkey necks can be yeah. pretty good I've had them, but that's not your usual savoir faire at a school, turkey necks. And they were just joyful little children. They were the best.
0: They were, they they absolutely were. And as you said, so well-behaved and just so happy to see us for some reason. Yeah, I guess because it, you know, it kind of got them out of, math class or something, yeah. whatever. It was.
2: And we brought, I think we brought uh, a lot of crayons and things like that. And then little soaps and whatnot. And they were very thrilled to have anything at all. They were delightful, We mm-hmm. just showed you, you know, life, happiness doesn't come from being rich. doesn't mm-hmm. come from having filet mignon every night comes from within. And they were happy kids. And they were talented kids. It was amazing to see. It meant a lot to me.
0: Aside from that, you know, I took you along along on adventures to, we used to do nurses hospital week. And I I grabbed you and somehow cajoled you into coming with me to to do broadcasts from, uh, live broadcasts from a hospital. And one of the ones I remember the most, were you there for the veterinary hospital?
2: No, I didn't get to go to the veterinary hospital.
0: For some reason, I just assumed you were there. I know how much you loved animals.
2: I do. No, I had my dog Oliver, who I used to speak of, All the time. He was 107 pounds of pure love, and I adored him. Very naughty dog, untrainable, but pure love. (laughs) He passed on. I got, still have it to this day, hanging on my wall in the studio if I ever go back to work. One of our listeners for WMGQ who sent me the most sentimental, lovely card. Like, she really got how I felt. And when you see these little bits and glibs here and there, sometimes you go to work, you think, does anybody even listen to me? Does anybody really care what I have to say? And you don't know, you know. You have to go back to that place where you think, yeah, everyone's, you know, you're important. You have something to say. When you get a letter like that in a card, you really see how you can touch people, and they touch you. And that's the best part of being on live radio, and, in my humble opinion.
0: I totally agree, and I, I so get that feeling of being. Is anyone out there really listening? And is it just background noise? Right. Or, or does anything get through? And I think that that's one of the things I loved about you and with you was is that you would talk about. Things that meant something to you, and that would that in itself would touch the audience. You know, it wasn't you weren't just doing traffic and news and stuff like that. You were you were talking about your life and things that um, mattered.
2: Before you and I got together, I did the Jay Thomas show. He was part of Cheers, and he was an actor, and he radio in Los Angeles, then came to New York. Anyway, I got to work with him. He's a great guy. Unfortunately, he has passed on. But he was very, like, wanted to have shtick. Wrote the shtick, you wrote the bits, you wrote this, you wrote that. He was so much funnier off the radio, telling his personal life stories. I'd say to him, Jay, you got to talk like this. I learned it from Howard Stern. I'm going to credit Howard Stern, who I also got the privilege of working with because he was himself he Mm -hmm. wanted and if you weren't yourself he would tone in right in on it so i was brought up with a school of radio that enjoy yourself and that's it and that's what it's been for me my whole life sometimes it's done me very well and sometimes not so well (laughs) what are you gonna do
0: well i learned an awful lot from you just working with you and listening to you and and how you approached certain situations on the air and it was it was invaluable to me in so many good ways and oh. i I'm, I'm just so much of a better person and a, a much better radio person I'm, you can't see it but I, i'm doing air quotes right uh, because of uh, my time with with Candy Roth here so do you miss going to work do you like working from home
2: not going to lie I love working from home because i love waking up walking out of my bedroom into my little office and and that's it. Love it. But I do miss being, you know, taking a shower, getting ready, putting clothes on, seeing people, you know, having a start of the day. Sometimes I think, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't even get dressed. Like suddenly all I was wearing, you know, was pajamas and sweatpants and leaving the house was a, was a very bizarre time. This pandemic, I've never seen anything like it. And it has done a lot of changes, most for the bad, some for the good. But yeah, I'd be happy to go back to work the
0: office. Out in California, they were starting to make noise the last maybe six months that I was there of getting people back in to the office. And what they were going to do was they suggested that all the people on the air come back first. They were going to do it in stages, you know, and I thought, well, that's not really fair just because I'm on the air. Now I have to commute again every morning. You know, why does that? But they thought that we'd be much better off if we were in with other people, which I tend to agree with, except that while I I was out there for four years, it was one of those situations where I worked by myself so it didn't really make a whole lot of difference but there were morning shows in the building there were five other radio stations out oh. there where, where i work and uh there were multiple character morning shows there that were doing it from separate locations i can't imagine i can't imagine that i mean you and i did it for, yes for nine i years. do
2: it now on another station that i have which is a country station my country it. 6.1 wjbc I work with a guy named Fathead, who I've also worked. When I first met Fathead, he was just dating his wife. Yes, they just celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary. They have three children. So we've also been together a long time. I consider him brother. We're very close. And we really just talk on the air. We don't socialize, but that's how we feel about each other. So we do it. Uh, You can hear it on YouTube. I think they do like a little best of of that morning show. So it's WJVC, my country, 96.1. I get to be with him and it's great. You were great. He's great. You don't. I've worked with a lot of people from Frankie Crocker to Howard Stern. They're <laughs> not all great to work with. They're not all easy to work with. I once worked with a guy, we got off the air and he said to me, don't ever be funnier than me again. Really? Right. So you're like, I don't know how to measure my humor. So maybe I just, just won't say anything. I'll, I'll just do the traffic and be on my way because... How do you measure if I'm funnier than you? You don't know. You
0: were, you were funnier than me every stinking day. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> why I loved it so much, you know.
2: And then I had another one who I worked at the studio with who said to me, don't look at me.
0: Don't, okay.
2: look, at don't look at me. <laughs> All right. I will look at you. wasn't very nice to look at anyway. How about that? So I've come across all kinds. I I really have. From beyond your realm of imagination. Mm -hmm. Been there, done that. Yeah, just about everywhere. I love it. Radio, it's in my blood. From the first time I went to college radio at WCWP from CW Post on Long Island, it was it for me. I had a bug and that was it. I lived, breathed, did everything for radio. I still love it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is, uh, you know, people in radio, for the most part, the bug strikes them very early in life. How old were you?
2: I was, oh,
1: 18.
0: 18. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things I can remember as a teenager, as a freshman in high school with a transistor radio under my pillow when I went to, to bed at night. Time. this is really dating me. I'm a lot older than you, Candy Ron. Uh, you now. don't even know where the transistor radio is. Oh, I do. Google no, it. Your, your niece doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, we used I used w- to
2: play eight track commercials. <laughs> do you know what that is? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> How about cutting reel to reel tape to edit?
0: Oh, yeah. I don't miss those days. They then. don't know
2: what we're talking about now.
0: Yeah. I no idea. yeah. <laughs> so obviously, there's never been any thoughts of retirement for you.
2: No, not yet. I'll sit here till they basically pick me up and old age home is waiting. There's a car downstairs. You have to go. Uh, no, I, I will eventually, I suppose. But I don't have any major plans right now to do that.
0: Good for you. I'm finding My time. Good for you. Radio needs you, kid. Oh, thank really, you. Really, it does.
2: Thank you. And now these podcasts are the hottest thing ever. Wish you the yeah. best of luck with it.
0: You know, it seems like just about everybody at some point in everybody. their life. We'll, Bill Clinton. We'll have, yeah, we'll have
2: the a The ex-president. Podcast have one anybody can is that not right his first guest was Monica Lewin no I'm kidding he was not a guest on his
0: podcast well one of the things we you know we got to get together again because every now and then we would you would come down and I would go up or we'd meet somewhere and we used to love to meet and have like an Indian food lunch yes. and yes uh, we need to do that again. Uh, We've
2: never run anything uh, out of anything to talk about ever. We've never sat in sil- in awkward silence. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so there's always something to say. And you've got great stories yourself. And, you know, we're the radio geeks. What can you do? It's changed so much. But Chloe old dear how great it once was. It's still <laughs> great. But it it's- was so great back in the day.
0: Agreed. Totally agreed. Listen, a uh, friend of mine whom I'm going to be talking to on the podcast in the very near future sends his best, Jason Lee. Remember Jason?
2: I do remember Jason. Yes. Well, you sent him my very best.
0: Candy was such a bad influence on me. I was so such bad. a straight shooter before uh, I met
2: <laughs> So bad. I, I apologize, but I don't because we had so much
0: fun. We did. And a and you gotta part. love
2: life because you never know when you're going to.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hey, listen, um, say hello to my uh, to my friends. I know that uh, you still work with Joel and Marianne there. Yes, the yes, yes, I will. Say hello yeah. to them for me. And totally uh, will. again, thank you so much for doing this. I so thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much
2: for having me. I wish you all the success. Keep in touch. Let me know how you're doing. And I'll let you know what grandbabies I may or may not be having in the near future. Everything else going on. I love you guys. And really, just be happy and healthy. That's all we got.
0: Love you, Candy Rock. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>